Welcome to Leveraged Lifestyle, the podcast that shares with you the mindset and skill set it takes for you to create your ideal leveraged lifestyle, whatever that might look like for you. Please welcome your host, entrepreneur, world record holder and globetrotter, Catherine Turner. Hi there, it is Catherine Turner and welcome to episode 110 of Leveraged Lifestyle. Now I have a question for you. Do you think you can do what you love, what the world needs, what you can be paid for and what you're good at? Essentially merging your passion and profession and your mission and vocation. Well, the Japanese actually have a word for it. It's called Ikigai. And as you'll go and see on my social media accounts, I've put a diagram of how this all comes together. Uh, So this can sit alongside the episode if you're interested at all. But I put this podcast episode together a couple of years ago and it was initially called Finding Your Flow and Ikigai. But of course, not many people know what Ikigai was. So I really wanted to make sure everyone understood this idea of what it would mean to merge those ideas, but more importantly, how you get there. So the idea is that there's not one simple magic pill to create your ikigai. Instead, it's about getting into a state of flow. And I'm going to share with you the seven steps to take to get into flow or to find your flow in an activity or, uh, you know, what you're delivering and and then essentially some strategies to help you get into those seven states. So I hope that makes sense. And the idea is that basically by finding the things that give you flow or create flow for you or get you into a state of flow is essentially where you will find your ikigai. So I hope this is really helpful and gives you a a great starting point. And I really recommend uh, the book uh, Ikigai, The Japanese Secret to a Long and Happy Life Uh, I'll put the link in the show notes as always. And yeah, come and check out my social media as well, where that diagram will be there for you, just so you can kind of get a visual of what I'm talking about. But here is this episode for you, basically about finding your flow and ideally your ikigai. Essentially, there is no magic recipe for finding happiness, for living according to your ikigai, but there is one key ingredient is the ability to reach that state of flow and through that state to have that optimal experience to find that ikigai essentially. And it's through finding that state of flow and finding the activities that give you that state of flow as well. And that's what we're going to go into. Again, according to um, some research done by Owen Schaffers of DePaul University, the requirements for achieving flow are as follows. And there are seven. Number one is knowing what to do. Number two is knowing how to do it. Number three is knowing how well you are doing. Number four is knowing where to go. So where navigation is involved. Number five is perceiving significant challenges. Number six is perceiving significant skills. And number seven is about being free from distractions. So we're going to go into some strategies around that. So strategy number one is about choosing a difficult task, but not too difficult. So it's about completing tasks that are just slightly outside of your comfort zone. So every task, uh, a sport, a job will have some set of rules around it and a set of skills to follow. 
and to be able to, to do those. So if the rules for completing a task or achieving a purpose are too basic relative to your skill set, you'll likely get bored and activities that are too easy can lead to that apathy. Whereas on the other hand, if we assign ourselves some tasks that maybe are too difficult, that we don't have the skills to complete, then you're almost likely to give up and feel frustrated and just give up essentially. So the ideal path is that middle path to find something that's aligned with your abilities, but just a bit of a stretch. So you experience it as a challenge. Again, there's a really great Ernest Hemingway quote with this, where he says, sometimes I write better than I can. So that's essentially strategy number one, to choose a difficult task, but not too difficult, that stretches our skills and that we can build upon to find our Aikigai. So if it's too easy, we'll become bored. If it's beyond our abilities, we'll feel anxiety and frustration. But if it's just challenging enough, that's where we find our flow. Strategy number two to get to those seven uh, conditions for achieving flow is to have a clear and concrete objective. So let's give an example here. In video games, when played in moderation or board games and sports that are great ways to achieve flow because the objective tends to be very clear. You know, beating your rival or beating your own record and following a really set explicitly defined rules. Um, but unfortunately, that's not always the case in every situation. The, the objective isn't always 100% clear. Let's think about now ourselves working with maybe a team as well. If we're the boss, we're the, the manager that actually a number one complaint looked at into a, a study by the Boston Consulting Group was that when asked about bosses, the number one complaint of employees was that they don't communicate the team's mission clearly. So is that something you're doing for yourself, for your business partner, for your team members? Are you communicating your mission clearly and knowing what the end result should look like and what the objectives are? And especially as your company gets bigger and you're hiring more team members, that can get harder. So having a clear map and destination point and what that looked like will really improve the morale of the company, will get you to your final destination quicker and essentially get everyone in flow as well. So some questions you could ask yourself. What is your objective for today's session task? Could be how many words am I going to write today for the article or the content piece that you're putting together? What is your team's mission? And again, maybe if you're learning a new instrument, because again, this can be used in your work and business, but also in personal life. So this is an example of how fast will I set the metronome tomorrow in order to play that sonata at the Allegro tempo by the end of the week. Uh, that's a very specific one. Um, but hey, if you're learning an instrument, that could be quite useful. <laughs> but having a clear objective is really important in achieving flow. But also to know how to leave it behind uh, when we get down to business as well and just get on with that task. What do I mean behind that? So it's once the journey has begun, we should keep the objective in mind, but without obsessing over it. So again, an example for you here. 
when an Olympic athlete competes for that gold medal, that's what they're aiming for. That's the end destination. They'll be thinking about it, how to get there, but they have to be really present in the moment when they're competing, that they have flow and not then be thinking about that gold medal. Because if they lose that focus, you know, thinking, oh, you know, I'm going to show off this medal to friends and families. It's all about then focusing on the thing that will get you to that end objective. Okay. So having vague objectives, what's that going to do? It's going to lead to confusion, time and energy wasted on meaningless tasks. That is completely against the life leverage philosophy. It can create mental blocks as well. When you become too obsessive over the goal whilst ignoring the process, you can become fixated on the objective rather than getting down to business. And again, can create some mental blocks there for you. But instead, when you have clearly defined objectives and a focus on the process, that's when you find your flow. Strategy number three is to concentrate on a single task. Now, perhaps one of the greatest obstacles we face today with so much technology and so many distractions is actually just concentrating on one thing at one time. You know, we're listening to a video on YouTube whilst writing an email, while suddenly maybe a, a chat or a WhatsApp message comes in, we try and answer that. We're trying to work out the gym, we're logging onto our phone, checking out Facebook, doing an Instagram post, whatever it might be. And suddenly time has passed, you haven't actually got down to the thing you were trying to do. So instead, we need to separate things out. A couple of things we need in order to focus on a task. We need to be in a distraction-free environment, which is condition number seven as well, so that helps, and to have control over what we're doing in every moment. So technology is really great, but if we're in control of it, if we're using it to time block, if we're using it to make sure that we've set the time we're spending on this task and we set ourselves an alarm or something like that. So look, for example, if you had to write a research piece to put onto your podcast or put into your website and you're going to need to sit down on your computer, maybe you might need to use Google to look up some information but again, if you're not disciplined enough, Google can take you all sorts of places. That's, uh, you know, the, the greatness of the internet, but equally the, the floor of it as well that can take you everywhere. So instead, you know, take off the information that you need, then shut down, turn off Wi-Fi, cover off the internet and then start writing uh, the piece that you need to do. So what are the benefits for concentrating on a single task versus multitasking? Well, when we're concentrating on a single task, we are more likely to achieve flow. We can increase our productivity. We increase our power of retention as well. We're less likely to make mistakes. We can feel calmer, more in control of the task at hand. It causes us to become more considerate as we pay full attention to those around us. And it increases creativity as well. Versus when we're multitasking, it makes achieving flow essentially impossible. It actually decreases productivity by 60%. Though we might think it doesn't seem to, there are research into that. It makes things harder to remember. Uh, we're more likely to make mistakes. We're more likely to feel stressed by the sensation that we're losing control and that our tasks are controlling us. It can cause us to hurt those around us through our addiction to stimuli. Maybe always checking our phone, always on social media. 
Uh, yes, <laughs> I've had that sometimes with my husband. I will admit it. Um, and I'm sure we've all done that too. We've just done that little extra check when that buzz has gone off in our pocket. And actually, rather than spending our time with those loved ones around us, um, so making that time also for the loved ones around us and, and, and putting the, the technology away. And also multitasking can reduce creativity as well. So concentrating on a single task is super important. Again, so many distractions, so many things. What else can we do to help us get in touch with our flow and ikigai? So don't look at any kind of screen for the first hour you're awake, not being at the detriment of other people's instructions and whims and checking what's going on in the world and just putting us in a bad state to start the day with. And equally getting rid of any kind of screens before the last hour. So in that last hour before you go to sleep, uh, again, turning off your phone before you can achieve flow. Feel like there is nothing more important than the task you've chosen to do during that time. You know, you can a- enable the do not disturb function in case you do want to have those emergency calls come in or kids might call or whatever it might be that actually is a, is important. But otherwise, the do not disturb function, again, a good use of technology there. Maybe have a designated day of the week, uh, maybe a weekend a day of technology fasting. Have your MP3 player or something like that. Maybe have an e-reader, but essentially, you know, go technology free for a day. Uh, I've seen a lot more people talking about that. I know um, Ariana Huffington has done stuff around that, especially around her Thrive movement. Um, Tim Ferriss talks about that on his podcast as well, like having a technology free day. Uh, maybe even going to a cafe that doesn't have Wi-Fi making sure you're choosing when you respond to emails. So have a specific time in the day, once or twice per day to read and respond. And to find those times and again, clearly stick to them. And again, if you find yourself waiting in a queue somewhere and you want to quickly get something checked off your email list, or whatever like that, that's, that's cool as well. But again, have some designated time and, and make sure you're using those um, techniques. An interesting one as well, really good one. Um, I think, again, I have mentioned this in a previous podcast episode. I'll have to try and remember that one, but it is the Pomodoro technique. So essentially the Pomodoro technique came about, the name of it uh, was the idea of this kitchen timer that looked like a tomato. That's where it came from. But committing your time to a single task um, as long as this Pomodoro technique time goes. So usually it's 25 minutes on work or business, five minutes rest for each cycle. Or you can do longer ones of 50 minutes and then 10 minutes rest. Uh, finding a pace that works best for you. Again, I've seen people use this for writing books and having long periods of concentration day after day and using that technique works really well. Starting your working sessions with a ritual that you enjoy and ending it with a reward as well. So again, using maybe those five, 10 minutes to have a cup of tea, have a little biscuit or something at the end of it, whatever like that, little treats, little pockets of time. Maybe if you like a little game to play, play that and just, again, just reward yourself at the end of those time and really train yourself to return to the present when you find yourself getting distracted as well. Things like mindfulness, meditation can help with that, going for a walk. Another good one, actually, one we have, we have in our house a rebounder, Everyone thinks it's a mini trampoline. It's a rebounder. Uh, <laughs> but that's really good to get the, the blood pumping again, getting the flow, getting uh, everything working in your body and, uh, and resetting yourself as well. 
and working in space where you're not going to be distracted. So if that's not home, um, you know, a library might be better, a cafe. If you've got a task that involves needing a specific place, so I know practicing an instrument, for example, going to a music studio and just finding a place that really gets you set in that right mood and gets you set on the task at hand. Dividing each activity into groups of related tasks. This actually came up on last week's episode with um, Emma Dalton around doing the tasks it takes to do an eBay business and grouping those tasks together because it's going to get you there so much quicker having that process around it. So, you know, doing the research part, taking the notes home, then doing the writing and then doing the editing later. Bundling also routine tasks, such as maybe sending out invoices, making calls, and then doing those all at once. And it gets you really focused and time blocks um, all of those in your calendar as well. So the advantages of finding that flow, finding that place of no distraction is giving you a focused mind, enables you to live in the presence, means you're free from worry. The hours will seem to just fly by. We feel in control. You will be prepared thoroughly, you know what you should be doing at any given moment, your mind can become clear and overcomes those obstacles and having that flow of thought, it's pleasant after all. And also the ego fades, we're not the ones controlling the activity or task, the task is just leading us and we're just going with the flow of it all. The disadvantage of having distraction around, your mind can wander, we're thinking about things from the past and what's happening in the future, The concerns of our daily life are coming up and people around us invade our thoughts. Every minute seems endless. We lose control and fail to complete the task at hand or other tasks or people keep us from our work. Uh, We're acting without being prepared. We frequently get stuck and don't know how to proceed. Uh, We're plagued by doubts, concerns and low self-esteem. It becomes boring and exhausting. And we have that constant self-criticism our ego is present and we end up feeling frustrated as well. So definitely let's get in flow. So hopefully all of those are really helpful. I really encourage you to look at this book as well. If you're liking any of uh, what I've been uh, sharing here as well with you, there's some great little stories in here as well. But what I want to finish with is that using that flow to find your ikigai. So, you know, there are the strategies there. What have we gone through? We've gone through three different strategies to get to those seven conditions for achieving flow. So knowing what to do, knowing how to do it, knowing how well you're doing, knowing where you're going, perceiving significant challenges, perceiving significant skills and being free from distractions. And those three strategies to help you there. Uh, Choosing a difficult task, but not too difficult. Having a clear and concrete objectives and then concentrating on single tasks free from distractions. So once you've gone through all those, you're hopefully going to find out which activities in your life make you enter flow. Write them down on a piece of paper or on your Evernote, however you like to work, and then ask yourselves these questions. What do these activities that drive you to flow have in common? Why do those activities drive you to flow? For example, are all the activities that you most like doing ones that you practice alone or with other people? Do you flow more when you're doing things that require you to move your body or where you just have to sit down and think? And then once you can answer those questions, hopefully you're going to find that underlying ikigai that is going to drive your life. So I say this isn't just business. This is every area of your life. 
And look, if you don't, then just keep searching, uh, but going deeper into what you like by spending more of your time in the activities that get you in flow. Maybe try some new things as well that are not on the list of what makes you flow, but are similar and that you're curious about. So for example, if photography is something that drives you into flow, you could also try painting. You might even find that you like that more. Or if you love snowboarding, have you ever tried surfing? Flow is mysterious. It is like a muscle though. And the more you train it, the more it will flow. Uh, and the closer you'll be able to get to your ikigai. So as I say, I'm going to put the diagram into the Life Leverage online community. I think it's a really useful uh, diagram to keep coming back to when you're looking at trying to find the meeting point of what you love, what the world needs, what you can be paid for and what you're good at and finding that mix of passion, mission, profession and vocation and ultimately your ikigai. I think ultimately this really sums up what I want to get across in Leverage Lifestyle. It's more than just systems and processes. It's more than just a new app, a VA, a team member. It's bringing everything together that you really want to create in life, from your business, what your business can solve for other people, that you're enjoying the journey along the way, that you're getting inside your flow. And I think that is truly possible as well. Hi there, it's Catherine. I really hope you enjoyed this episode. Remember, if you enjoyed it, maybe go and share it with some friends or family members that you think need to hear it as well. And if you're not already, do make sure you're connected with me on one of your favorite social media platforms. I'm sure I'm on one of those ones, uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, whatever your favorite is. All the details are in the show notes. And, you know, send me a message. Let me know what was your favorite podcast episode. And uh, it's always great to connect.